And good morning and welcome to The Age Stage. My name is Paula Dunn and I'm joined today by Brendan Telfer. How hey Paula, you, thank you very much indeed. Yes, always lovely to be here. Stepping in for William, not feeling too well today, but yes. always great to be back amongst my friends in The Age Stage. Yes. Always good. It is, it is. And we have with us today um, Stuart Shaw from The Village Baxter. How are you Stuart? I'm doing fine, Paul and Brendan. Welcome back to the country. Thank you very much indeed, Stuart. And you're travelling solo today. I am. Unfortunately, Peter is unwell. Mm. Gee, there's a bit of that around because William was supposed to be yes. here with you today as well. So yeah, anyway, are, are you drawing the connection? I'm not necessarily, but I'm just saying there's a bit of it about, and we 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 wish them both a speedy recovery. And touch wood, we, we do. And also on the program today, we have Dr. Robin Lindner. And uh, Robin is project lead for the Choosing Wisely Australia in- Initiative, which is, sounds very interesting. It does indeed, and uh, they're looking at some medical practices in the, in the area that we're interested in, exactly. so we'll be having a chat to uh, Dr Robin Lind uh, a little bit later. We will, and also a spokesperson from uh, Guide Dogs Victoria, Sophie Wilde, is going to be talking to us about what seniors are uh, connected with Guide Dogs Victoria. You've got to say, guide dogs are just one of those consummate brands Mm. that everyone feels good about. Yeah. With our question. They're just gorgeous, yes. Which leads us, does it not, into brands that we feel very comfortable about, and surely one of those would have to be yours, Mr. Shaw. Oh, Brendan. Hey? Look. (laughs) So what's happening, Stuart, in in the world of the the village Baxter? Because the big, big things are being promised and being sort of penned, are they not? Oh, I don't know, don't know about big things, but you know, the, the village Baxter is taking small steps forward. Um, I, I should just congratulate uh, some of our staff who earlier this week, uh, on Tuesday, received badges of, of merit for length of service with us. Oh, wow. Wonderful. So we had a, a collection of 15 or 16 staff who together had done 295 years oh, service. Oh, goodness. So we, we, we generally recognise people at 10, 15, 20, 25 and 30 years service. That's that is incredible. a reflection of management. Isn't it? Absolutely. It, t- it truly is. And also the dedication of the staff working yeah. in an environment that they obviously love and cherish. Yeah. So, and yeah, so I'd just give a good shout out to them. Oh, that yes. is awesome. Well, you know, on behalf we had a lunch and... And, and that was just a really nice occasion. Oh, that's Fantastic. Great. Well, congratulations to you and your team, Stuart. It's and was Kim, Kim one of those? No, Kim was not one of those. Oh, no, okay. Kim, Kim's got a couple of years to go to get to her 20. Okay. Wow. But, mm. uh, but she, you know, she, she is mid 15 to 20. Wow. So, yes. uh, so that, that is imminent. Yeah. And, um, and that's pleasing. So we do that, you know, two or three times a year mm-hmm. to recognize staff, uh, who have just achieved those sorts of milestones. Wow. And, and for our thirty-year person, you know, she basically spent half her entire life working life uh, at, yeah. at the village Baxter, yeah. which is really quite remarkable. Stuart, you know, on a more serious note, we've we've spoken, have we not, in this program about the changes in the industry. Looking forward, do you think there's going to be that type of loyalty in the industry going forward? Or do you think this is something that we can acknowledge now, but we probably are unlikely to see in the new manifestation of, of care in the aged stage area? Personally, I think that a culture that embraces staff and keeps them happily um, working within a village environment will be here forever. Mm. I'm actually giving a presentation in a couple of weeks' time uh, at a seminar and as part of a broader seminar, 
and I'm talking on the trust relationship mm. uh, built up between um, operators of villages and suppliers and customers and staff. And the message that uh, I will be trying to deliver is, you know, if, if you provide a trusting environment, then people will come to you and will stay with you. Mm-hmm. And if you, and then there's just very, very simple ways to actually build trust. I mean, it's about communication. Mm. And I don't want to take, you know, an hour and a half seminar and, uh, or an hour and a half uh, lecture series into, uh, you know, a, a snappy little phrase. But building trust is what it's all about. We are a people business. That is the aspiration. But in term, given the vagaries and the difficulties, the financial impact, the social impact in the area going forward, is it going to be deliverable? Uh, without question. Good. Without question. Well, that's that's I, a know, great we answer. Are, we are very positive. Certainly my board uh, would believe that organisations like us will thrive in the future. And one of the reasons we uh, wanted to uh, to purchase Rosebud is for that very essence of providing affordable housing and building those rates, those sorts of relationships with people. And I was, I was going to say, so one of the joys that we've we've had in talking to some of our colleagues in the the large multinationals is about why we are successful in building up waiting lists which people are happy to pay to go on to mm. as opposed to their difficulties in not being able to attract people to come along and be prepared to, to join with them. And you get back to that fundamental trust issue. And it's, how do you build that trust? Well, what now? an endorsement for what you're yeah, doing. It has to be. Uh, it's just absolutely yeah. fantastic, Sue. Mm. It's just absolutely brilliant. And no wonder you've got that waiting list going on and, you know, people are trying to sort of kick down doors to join you. So it's just sensational. Yeah. And, 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 to, and to their credit, Village Glen equally had absolutely. a viable yes. waiting list. Mm. I remember when I first went through the Village Glen with Peter, Peter Nelson, and we went and he took me through tea tree up, you know, we did the whole deal. And every single person that he saw, he knew their name and acknowledged. Yeah, uh, and that's to their credit. Yeah. You know, for mm. a private business yes. to actually have that commitment yeah. to their clients mm. is it's extraordinary. Mm. It was. And, I was impressed. Yeah, and, and so it is to their credit. And, the, and you know, turning a family business mm. into mm. something that, you know, will survive multiple generations is extraordinary. It is. And a credit to the whole team. Well, credit to you as well and also credit to you guys that the expansion is on and you're thinking about this expansion. What, when, how? Okay, so so as we've spoken before, Mm. we we purchased Rosebud. Uh, It's a little bit neglected Mm. and needs a bit of TLC, which we're now working on. Mm. Our residents down there are really happy with the, the product that we're producing. Mm-hmm. We just can't convert our units quick enough yes. to actually satisfy the, the current demand. And will but, you take some staff from Baxter no, down there? No. Oh, well, we're, we're certainly sharing one part-time staff member. Yes. But you know, the staff that were, were there are still there. Staying on. Yeah. Uh, the manager that was there, she's currently on long service leave or, mm-hmm. or taking a holiday, mm-hmm. and she'll come back working part-time. Yes. So we've kept every staff member who wanted to stay has stayed. Wow. Mm-hmm. So all five. Mm. So, you know, it, it, it's a very small staff down there, but, you know, they, they have the same relationship with their residents that we do at Frankston, mm-hmm. and that's what we want, is, mm. is those sorts of people. Mm. And we, we actually are having a forum down there this afternoon. Oh, okay. Uh, so, um, 
So, yes, to our Rosebud residents, if yes. you're listening in this morning, then uh, this afternoon, uh, Kim and I will be down there, mm-hmm. and we hope to see many of you. And the forum, were, were loosely structured? It looked, we're just trying to make certain that everyone is on the same page, right. understanding where we're heading, what we're doing, why we're doing certain things, and any questions that people may have. Mm-hmm. Basic communication. Yes. You know, 101. Let, mm. Let's make certain that everybody understands where we're heading for the future. Mm-hmm. So we have six sales pending, waiting re- units to be refurbished. And that just is, you know, we are impatient people and we'd all like that to happen uh, yesterday. Mm. But, you know, that work is progressing and we'll actually have a unit that our residents down there can walk through uh, this afternoon. Wow, well, that's so, good. So that's going to be really fun. Well, it'll be yeah. a fantastic that's forum exciting. for you. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, we were saying just before we came on air as well that Peter um, looks like he's moving ahead as well with his expansion. Certainly. The Mornington uh, aged care facility just down the road from the station mm-hmm. um, received a certificate of occupancy wow. uh, from... Um, from the, the, the planners. So is that like tea tree steward or, the, the, you know, this it's is, a nursing home? This is slightly t- smaller than tea tree okay. in terms of design. So the, this, this in fact was a, a purchase of land and plans. Okay. Uh, for the, for the building. Mm-hmm. And part of a deal, of, if I understand it correctly, and sorry, Peter, if I've got this wrong, uh, is that they had to build the plans that were already developed for the site. Okay. But, you know, it, it will have their own particular flavour and and I know that uh, our seminar down there on the 7th of July, I think it's 7th of July, mm-hmm. if, if that should be a Friday, uh, is going to be down there and uh, the, 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 uh, the guests coming along to the seminar have the opportunity to see it firsthand. Mm. But I'm now told there'll be one or two residents that will be in occupation on that day. Wow. Oh. So it's, so it's a very exciting occasion, uh, for, for Village Glen as well. So the industry's growing and growing, isn't it? The industry is certainly progressing. Yes. Uh, yeah. you know, like, certainly there are new aged care facilities being developed, particularly on the Mornington Peninsula. Yes. Uh, some villages being developed uh, with different models uh, of financing and uh, an approach. So you know there there is a, there is a gradual diversity of provider style substance. Mm-hmm. Interesting, and we know that uh, consumer affairs have been out and about. And maybe after the break, um, Stuart, we might get you to talk about that. Um, basically doing their due diligence in the sector as well. Uh, looks like budgets are being set as well for the year ahead. Interesting and busy times for you. And, of course, uh, you've got your big session later on today down there. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have more of the age stage. A reminder that you're tuned up to RWPFM. And our special guest with Paula and myself, uh, Brendan, today is Stuart Shaw of The Village Baxter. Thank you very much indeed, and we do appreciate our station sponsors here at RWPFM, your local radio station broadcasting from studios right here in Wilson's Road in Mornington. Great to have your company this Thursday morning. I'm Brendan Telfer. Paula Dunn is here, and our special guest in this first half of the program is Stuart, Stuart Shaw of the Village Baxter. Here's Paula. So, Stuart, um, when we talked a little bit before the break about consumer affairs sort of coming along can what do they actually do can you tell us what what are they looking for and what, and what sort of advice do they give you or don't they give you any do they just observe so consumer affairs are the regulatory body for the industry okay. um, legislation is enacted in each state for fair trading in new south wales and and certain jurisdictions 
and Consumer Affairs is the body in Victoria. So my understanding is that they are taking uh, an inspection of the industry to ensure compliance with certain parts of the Act, one being that you're setting your budgets correctly, mm-hmm. two, that you are in fact uh, having an, an annual meeting of residents uh, as required under the Act, three, that complaints handling is meeting the legislative requirements uh, Issues and any other pertinent things that may become evident on the day. Mm-hmm. So I know they've been down to uh, St John's down in Somerville. I think they might have had a visit up to Greenways. So they're certainly in the area and and taking um, you know a sample mm. of villages or all villages. I'm I'm not certain whether it's a concerted campaign uh, to undertake the task, yes. but but you know it it's. Certainly, I don't think it holds any fear for any village. And do they talk to residents? Do they, they, have... they should do. Yes. They should talk to the committee mm-hmm. in the village. That would always seem a wise thing to do. Mm. Uh, so an operator can say one thing, yes. but without actually having that uh, verified by you know, someone who is the recipient of that information, mm-hmm. then, you know, it, it would seem unwise not to not to talk with so the elected committee. If they did do their due diligence and they weren't happy, what can they do to you as a service provider? Can they really get stuck in? Certainly for, if you're in breach of the Act. So yeah. a number of things can occur. If you're in breach of the Act, there can be a fine. In, in the modern era, that's, you know, penalty units and penalty units are worth something like a thousand dollars a unit, so if a fines you know thirty penalty units, mm. you know it, it can be quite an expensive thing to not comply with the legislation. Is that common? Uh, no, I, I'm not aware of any village of recent times that's been found guilty of non-compliance with the Act. It's mm-hmm. mm. mm. um, certainly some years ago there was a couple of villages that did not comply, and Consumer Affairs. Uh, you know, investigated a whole range of activities mm-hmm. uh, about those villages, but as as a whole, the, I mean, Consumer Affairs would state that there is a very low uh, complaint rate against the industry and very low non-compliance. That's something we just don't hear in the media, isn't it? It's not. We, and we, do, we don't hear about those. And, and we sort of we did ask uh, Consumer Affairs whether they could be more proactive about that. Yeah. But there was some reluctance to actually, as a regulator, to come out and make some of those statements. Because mm-hmm. we actually think that it helps to build confidence and yes. build trust. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're, they're both really important from, from everyone's perspective. Mm. Yes. But, um, you know, we, we continue to work on some of those particular topics. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the, so some of the... The actual components of the legislation are a little bit strange and the legislation could use an update, mm-hmm. but there doesn't seem to be much appetite from anyone to, to go through that process. Mm-hmm. You know, the system is not broken. Yes, therefore, so let's not touch yeah, let, it. Let, yes. Let's not tamper. Yeah. Yes. You know, whereas a... A broad review would probably be in, in everyone's best interest yeah. if you looked at it objectively. Mm. Now, rather than looking at what is, okay, what should it look like? You know, and I th- always think the classic case is that when you're setting your... So this time of year, villagers would be setting their budgets for next year mm-hmm. because we would always try and give residents a month's notice 
of, a, of an increase in service fees. And under the legislation, certain things move by CPI, certain things can move outside of CPI, such, such as taxes, rates, charges, gen, generally those things that are, are government-driven or, or affected by government policy. Insurances would, would be you know, something of that nature. Mm-hmm. You know, no village is not going to be insured. No. And if a price of insurance has to go up by 10%, uh, in an open market, well, that that cost has to has to be has to be translated into a village environment. Mm. But if you so, if a group of residents today want to build a a swimming pool in a village, then the group of residents so in in an existing village, so the existing service fee is not sufficient to cover it because we're now building a a swimming pool. We've got to now maintain that uh, and. You know, your water rates may increase, and a whole range of things uh, come from that. Mm-hmm. So the, the theory is that the service fee will be increased by that through a levy process, but a, another group of residents in five years' time may turn around and say, well, we don't want that any longer. Yes. Well, you might have spent a million dollars or $2 million mm-hmm. building an asset mm-hmm. to actually create an environment for residents, and to my mind, the logic would be that any significant change in a village then changes the base of for which your service fee is being constructed. Mm-hmm. So that that's you know that, that's my own personal view. And how do the residents normally handle you know um, fee rises? Yep. Price so increases? so we've we've met with our resident committee this year and proposed uh, a new fee, uh, which went up by two point six percent, which mm-hmm. was slightly above CPI. Uh, and that that is because of uh, rates and, and taxes. Equally, we met with uh, Village Rosebud, or Rosebud Village, uh, operated by the Village Baxter, <laughs> <laughs> and we met with their residents last week. We actually met with the body of residents, as uh, as their structure is slightly different, and they agreed that their service fee would go up by just over three percent. Mm-hmm. So slightly different because it was a different village. Mm-hmm. And establishing the base for the village was the important thing moving forward. And villages need to be viable. So the bottom line was uh, in both organisations, so in Frankston and Rosebud, uh, the, the, the service fee was accepted without change. Mm-hmm. And, and in most organisations, that's what would happen. Village Glenwood, I have every confidence, would have the same result. Now, operators will do the right thing under the legislation and for their residents. And so people should have great confidence in that as a process. Mm-hmm. Consumer affairs should equally validate that process. Yes. So, you know, they don't have any particular issue about that at all. You know, it just seems a, 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 a really good process to show the industry that we are being uh, policed and we are being vigilant about main, maintaining the, uh, the spirit of legislation. Mm-hmm. So I think that those things are really important. Mm-hmm. Is that um, the political implications of all that as well, Stuart? I mean, is this a bipartisan approach you think the governments are taking at this stage, or do you think we are seeing a little bit of a, a shift between the two sides of politics in Australia? I, so for aged care, certainly both sides of politics seem to be on the one page. Mm. And they seem to be doing a bipartisan approach to it. 
and there seems to be little variation uh, on any matter in aged care. And I think that's largely driven by the financial imperative because both sides... So they get that. They get that. So yeah. there's not going to be any slapdown of the government mm. by the opposition because no. you've had to raise your prices yeah. in the marketplace, for instance. Well, so, that, so aged care is Commonwealth legislated. Right. Uh, retirement villages are state legislated. There is a general commonality of legislation between all the states, but there are some important differences. Victoria has not the highest regulation as um, some of the Queensland and, and New South Wales. I so think. we're not a nanny state, in, is that what you're saying? We're, no, not not as much. As right. uh, so, the Victorian is- government's recognised that there is still a scope for providers to look at different approaches, whereas some of the other states may have lost their way a little bit in terms of being creative for for the broader provision of housing within a total marketplace. So, so with that in mind then, and you looking at your expansion into Rosebud, is Rosebud going to be a completely different feel and facility to the one that you have pioneered up in Frankston? Is it going to be different? The, the only difference will be that it's smaller, which means it doesn't have the same infrastructure. So there is no bowling green. You know, it, it, 105 units is a small village, you know, but it, it provides a good community centre. It's got uh, good life and movement. The happy hours on Fridays. At well, that's important. Three, that that, that yeah. is a very important feature. And, yeah. and what about the connectivity between the two? I mean, do residents in both get to hook up? and Certainly... From Rosebud's perspective, they want to uh, form a relationship with the snooker club up in uh, in Frankston. All oh, right. And so there there are those sorts of natural synergies. You know, it's early days for both organisations mm. to to form a relationship, but the goodwill is there to try and make certain that that happens. Were you tempted to have a look at Rosebud and sort of recraft it and, 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 and reimagine it in this area, or were you pretty happy with what you've done over the years up in Frankston? It is. Uh, so Rosebud is landlocked. So without reducing the number of units on site, there'd be very little opportunity to, to redevelop it. Now, our immediate thoughts are simply to refurbish the units and modernise them to make them much more attractive than they're currently presented. And we would hope that would see out the next five to ten years uh, for at, at, as it is. Looking longer than that, you know, there might be an opportunity to build some additional apartments uh, either close by or on a particular parcel of land within the current site but that would involve doing two or three storey uh, apartments and you, and it's hard to know at, at this point mm. you know so we know the current market down there we know there's a demand for the product and it it is extraordinarily well priced and you know it it doesn't pretend to be as as Frankston is all things to all people mm where Frankston is, is so large that there's a wide diversity of opportunity and different skill base and, and, uh, and everything else that goes with it. But certainly interchange between the two organisations, that, that would uh, be a good thing. 
That's great. Uh, interesting days ahead for Very you, I would suggest, yes. Stuart. Lots of work happening. Indeed. Well, um, congratulations once again to you and um, your long-term employees. It's a fantastic endorsement of what great you're doing, effort. obviously. Yeah, it's yes. brilliant. And um, the forum a little bit later on today as well, hey? Yes, that, that, that will be really interesting. Um, and, and we're hopeful that with 105 units, so probably 140 residents... Uh, I'd be interested to see what sort of crowd we can draw. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully we hear all about it next yeah, week. Exactly. Yeah. So ho- hopefully it'll just be a really nice time mm. for people to talk to each other. Yes. And that, that's all we're trying to do is engage. Mm. And we'll listen to you, you listen to us. And if we can do some really good things together, mm-hmm. then let's make it happen. Fantastic. Fantastic. Stuart Shaw, thank you very much indeed Thanks, for dropping Stuart. by. Thanks, Paula. Thanks, Brendan. Good to see you here this week. And, of course, uh, Stuart from the Village Glen. Um, Paula, we're going to take Baxter. a bit of a break. Uh, um, yes, sorry, Baxter. <laughs> um, we're going to take a bit of a break. When yep. we come back, we're going to be speaking to Dr. Robin Lindner. Yes, we are. That should be really interesting. I'm looking forward to that. The age stage across the Mornington Peninsula and well and truly beyond that as well. We'll be back soon. And welcome back to the Age Stage. Uh, we have a special guest uh, now with us, Dr Robin Lindner. Uh, welcome, Robin. Hi, Paula. Nice to join you. Uh, great to be, for you to be here. And, uh, Robin, you're from um, Choosing Wisely Australia, which is really... I've you know, had a little bit of a read about that, and it's really interesting. Um, how long have you been with Choosing Wisely? But Choosing Wisely is an initiative that launched in Australia in 2015. But it's part of a broader uh, Choosing Wisely international network which originated in the US in about six years ago and it's now mm-hmm. in about 20 countries around the world. Wow, okay. So, so Robin, what really is the brief? What are you doing? What is your aim? What are your objectives? So Choosing Wisely is an initiative that aims to, I guess, really start a conversation about what um, tests, treatments and procedures are really necessary. So it's about... Uh, I guess helping people have be a bit more informed about um, their options and understanding that there are benefits and there are also risks attached mm. to any test treatment or procedure. And I think sometimes generally as people we tend to overestimate the benefits and underestimate the harms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what we want to encourage people to do is, as part of Choosing Wisely Australia is encourage people to have conversations with their doctors so they know what their options are, what their alternatives are, what the risks and benefits are attached to any course of action so that people feel very informed uh, about um, what's happening to them mm. and what their options are. Robin, you're a physician yourself? No, I'm not. Okay. Because but I'm a consumer of the healthcare system. I'm, I'm sure you are. We all are. We love being consumers, don't mm. we? So you'd be treading on some pretty big toes from time to time. Well, How- that's the thing that's really interesting about Choosing Wisely is that it is led by health professionals. So... Uh, in our role out in terms of, I guess, being a facilitator of Choosing Wisely, we have 80% of Australia's medical colleges have signed up to Choosing Wisely. Mm-hmm. And so that is because clinicians are acknowledging that there are some things that, some tests and treatments that are, that happen, that are offered to people sometimes that might not necessarily be, um, absolutely evidence-based. Are we and, to, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. And, go ahead. Are we talking about over-servicing? Not necessarily over-servicing. There can be uh, a range of reasons why things happen that aren't necessarily um, evidence-based mm-hmm. so uh, or necessary, and sometimes that can be because um, doctors don't necessarily have visibility on whether you've already had an X-ray, for example, on your foot. <laughs> uh, 
um, because our systems don't all talk to each other really well. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we as patients, when we go to the doctor, we have an expectation that we think, um, you know, we want to test to find out what's wrong with us and we don't necessarily have the full um, picture of information about whether that test will be really useful. And so sometimes, rightly or wrongly, doctors feel pressure to do something even though they know that it's actually not going to help um, determine what's wrong with a patient. So, Robin, Robin where does that arbitration between um, consulting physicians take place then? Are they going to work that out themselves or within dialogue with you guys? And how do we, the patient, get a handle on what is best for us if there is some dispute between two consulting physicians? So what? So with Choosing Wisely, what happens is medical colleges, they come up with lists of five things to question that are um, within their area of expertise. And those recommendations are put out into the public domain. And so other colleges have an opportunity to look at those. Uh, and we facilitate any discussion or disagreement around those but it's reasonable to say that the recommendations that have been published as part of Choosing Wisely there's there's consensus amongst health professionals that it's appropriate to be highlighting those um, tests and treatments that might not always be necessary. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to highlight too that what Choosing Wisely is doing is it's not saying that these are tests and treatments that are never necessary. Mm. It's really highlighting that the decision in terms of whether something is appropriate for you as a consumer or patient really depends on your circumstances at a particular point in time. Well, that's right because – and, you know, and how um, medical – the medical profession is progressing as far as, like, they're saying now that arthroscopes are not what we thought they were in terms of, you know, so valuable. And so you know, moving patients away from having arthroscopes – uh, as being a necessary test to have or procedure to have. So as medical science moves and discovers more, I guess things and tests change. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, yes, as we get more evidence about how mm. many people benefit versus how many people might not benefit exactly. from a procedure, we yes. know more. Um, and to your point about what, how can a consumer navigate all of this, uh, that's where Choosing Wisely Australia is encouraging people to... Um, feel like it's okay basically to ask questions so when yes. you're seeing your your doctor or your physiotherapist or um you know your pharmacist and you want to know more about what's being offered to you it's okay to say um you know how will this test or treatment uh, inform you know my my future care mm. um what are my options and alternatives um what are the benefits and also what are the risks and potential harms for this course of action Mm-hmm. Um, and also to ask things like, what are the costs? Yes. And that's not necessarily just the dollar value, but the costs in terms of your time commitment that might be involved, or also the emotional cost, because mm-hmm. we know that uh, some, you know, decisions, healthcare decisions can be quite stressful for an individual too. Mm. Are we choosing wisely by staying with inside the Australian medical paradigm, um, Robin, and not, say, going up to Thailand or something like that to have our facelift or in my case or, or, or something you know just just to be a little provocative there well I think look that's a great example of we're very fortunate in Australia that we have a very um, uh, I guess well managed um, regulated and extensively safe health system and we would really encourage people to really know what are if you're going overseas for a treatment, mm. 
Mm. Yeah, really think about, do you actually know the risks associated with um, what you're undertaking versus the harms? Mm. I think that's a really important point. Yes, I don't know that I'd be um, doing that at all. No. (laughs) I think I'll just put up with what I have. That's right. So I certainly Uh, wouldn't be encouraging people to do that, but I guess it's a good way of demonstrating the principle that know those options. How do we get to know choosing wisely then? Do you put out regular bulletins? Do we come to your website? How do we get to know you and your work? So Choosing Wisely has, Australia has a website, which is choosingwisely.org.au. And we have, on the, on the landing page there, you can download a list of five questions that you can print out and take with you when you go to a health professional visit. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah. 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 And we also have some other resources on that website to help people, for example, prepare for when they're going to the doctor because I think it's really common when you're planning to go to see your doctor you know, sometimes you've got a million questions in your yes. head and then when you get to the doctor, you forget what forget they are. That. That's right, yes. So exactly. people, yeah, so people can get information there about how to prepare. And then the other things you can do are follow us on Choosing Wisely Australia has a Facebook page and we also have a Twitter um, page if people want to follow us there as well. How are you funded, Robin? So Choosing Wisely Australia is facilitated by an organisation called NPS Medicine Wise. We're an independent, not-for-profit organisation. We're mostly funded through the Commonwealth Department of Health, um, but we um, do work for a range of different organisations. But we're an independent, evidence-based organisation. And not-for-profit, importantly. Yes. Much like ourselves down here on the Mornington Peninsula. Mm. (laughs) So that that can have its its strengths and its weaknesses as well? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it can. Good. But, but marvellous. But no, it's obviously a, a hugely important area because we're reading more and more, are we not, in, in, in the media about how we should basically be upskilling and certainly being aware of some of the implications and some of the options that we do have before us in, in terms of medicine. Absolutely. And when we've, uh, we've done quite a lot of work talking to Australian consumers about the ideas of choosing wisely. And many people that we've spoken to have said that they... They like the idea of being able to ask questions, but they don't always feel like they have permission. Yes. And it's interesting, when we share that with doctors, they're often quite surprised by that. So we would really encourage people to, um, you know, explore those options with the doctor and say, look, is it okay if I ask a few questions? Yeah. Um, And people might be surprised. I think doctors might be much more receptive to that than we originally think. And, And And again, some of us, again, might be a little bit cynical about some of the medical practices that we have perhaps experienced or seen in terms of the way that they ram us through some of the follow ups and the consultations and, you know, sort of trying to get their consults over done within 10, 12 minutes so they can maximize their hourly rates and stuff like that. But forgive my cynicism, Robin. Well, I think there's probably a lot of pressures on doctors to, um, you know, they've got a lot to do. And I think what we can do as patients is really help in that process by we're as much as possible plan when we get there. So we know that we don't have an infinite amount of time in that consultation. Mm. But if we've um, put invested a bit of time ourselves into planning in terms of what are we worried about uh, and thinking about the questions that we want to ask before we get to the doctor, that can potentially help 
I guess, alleviate a bit of that anxiety that we might have as patients when we go there thinking, oh, we don't have enough time to cover everything we want to do. Yes, and I think uh, with our elderly, for our elderly listeners, you know, to have someone go along with you is a good idea so that can prompt you, you know, you can talk about questions you'd like to the answers for beforehand and, and have them um, prompt you while you're there. Absolutely, and if you want, if you've got a number of health um, issues that are a concern that you want to discuss, it can sometimes be helpful to Outline all of those up front at the beginning of your consultation and then your doctor um, can work with you to say, okay, well, these are the things that are actually most important we need to talk about now mm. and maybe, you know, the, the other ones are something that can wait till another day. But then you're, you're jointly deciding on what are the priority things you talk about so that yes. you don't leave the most important thing to last. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Linda. It's been really interesting and um, hopefully we'll get you on again another time. Great. Thanks very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Dr. Robin Lindner, who is the project lead for the Choosing Wisely Australia group, joining us online on the Age Stage today. And uh, we thank you very much for her time. But I think probably the message from that uh, is... Um, Ask questions. Ask questions. Yeah, yeah. And don't be intimidated. Yeah, exactly. Because there have been a couple of times when I've gone into some of those consultancy rooms and I tell you what, they're yes. just sort of shoving them through so fast you want to open your mouth and That's right. you're gone. Yes. You're out of there. This is the age stage across the Mornington Peninsula and well and truly beyond. And when we come back, we'll have our final guest today uh, and we'll be talking to Sophie Wilde about... Uh, Guide Dogs Victoria, one of those great classics that uh, has been around, we would think, for a long time. Welcome back to The Age Stage. My name is Paula Dunn and I'm joined now by a lady by the name of Sophie Wilde from Guide Dogs Victoria. Welcome, Sophie. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. So, Sophie, um, tell us about Guide Dogs in relation to support for seniors. <clears throat> How does that work? Yeah, so we, we've got quite a lot, a lot of programs that we do at Guide Dogs Victoria and they're all available to everybody any age, really. Um, and obviously that, in, that includes um, a large group of seniors as mm -hmm. well. Um, Age-related macular degeneration is, is the most common form of uh, permanent vision loss in Australia. So um, mm -hmm. it certainly is a group that we interact with a lot. Um, and seniors um, come into our service and we have a range of practitioners who are very expert at helping um, people with very individual needs and different needs um, and will come and, and meet you in your community, meet you at your home and, and see what help we can really offer from a variety of services. Um, quite a few people obviously will maybe have a vision loss because of a stroke or some sort of acquired brain injury or mm -hmm. a trauma um, and, and that can, can have very special requirements in terms of uh, it's often very sudden, it's very intermittent, the vision loss can come and go um, and people often need some help uh, doing daily living tasks, things like learning to cook again safely in the kitchen, yes. um, perhaps sorting their clothes, those sort of things, things they've done all their lives. Mm. Um, they just need a little bit of extra help with it, so our mm. practitioners would come and help with that. And then, of course, there's our lovely guide dogs as well. Yes. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I did a bit of research preparing for this interview, and our, our oldest guide dog user is actually a lady of 88 years young. Oh, really? Uh, oh. Yeah, we have we have a lot of guide dog users in their 60s, 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. um, and and the would they all be vision impaired? Yes, yes, so mm. everybody um, that we work with has some sort of vision loss. It, okay. It's not necessarily fully, bl fully blindness. Yes. Um, we actually have quite a lot of clients with residual vision as well. Um, but guide dogs are, are a fantastic mobility for somebody who is 
get a little bit older, mm. um, often because uh, they can they can help a little bit with balance issues as well. Mm. Um, and also they, they tend to, you know, go at your pace. They adapt very quickly to, to the person um, who's, who's handling them all the time and, mm. and, and they become a, a, you know, a steadfast companion. They, they get to know your routine very, very well. Um, They'd be great and company, wouldn't they? They really are. Mm. That's one of, We did some research with Swinburne University last year which actually recorded the benefits in addition to mobility and certainly that participation and companionship um, physical and mental well-being as yes. well. You know, you have to get out of the house every day, take yes. you for, yeah. for their walk. Mm. It's, it's really a great um, benefit to people. So do you need special dogs for the older patient that you're seeing, somebody that might not have been used to dogs in their younger days but now requires mm-hmm. one? Yeah, so um, it, 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 they're all special dogs, I'm, I'm biased. Oh, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure they're absolutely sensational, but is there a particular type of dog that you might need for somebody that, say, has gone... Happily for 60 years of their life, maybe even 70 years of their life, without a dog in their life, yeah. then all of a sudden they suddenly need a dog. Is that, are there special- that dog? Um, look, there's probably, it's more about the sort of special preparation we'd be doing. Um, so every dog is matched very individually with the person. Um, so the next person on the waiting list doesn't always get the next dog. It just depends on the right match for the right person. Um, and our practitioner will work very closely to understand what your experience has been with dogs and what maybe your level of familiarity and confidence is and help you prepare mm-hmm. um, for the dog that's coming into your life. Um, and certainly that that dog would be specially trained just for you as well. So let's say, for example, um, I, I know a lady who, who got a dog, hadn't had a dog for a long time. I think she had a dog last when she was a child. Um, she had some arthritis, there were some specific issues. She needed a bit of a quieter dog. Um, that you know that would walk on the other side because it was we usually walk them on the left side. So she had a special harness because it was her left side that had got more of the arthritis. Mm-hmm. The dog learned to adapt that. Um, the dog, I think, got used to sort of helping her out with some various other things as yes. well in the house. Yeah. Um, so it really is that preparation, and our practitioner would would work carefully to make sure that preparation was right for that person. So, Sophie, is it always Labradors that you use? That's a really good question. Um, usually it is. 95% of our dogs are Labradors. There's a few retrievers that mm-hmm. we use as well, and we, we breed all our own dogs here, so there is retrievers in, in the genetic line. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't probably say that many um, seniors would get a, a one with too much retrieving because retrievers generally are a bigger, faster dog. Yes. So we, we will use those for people who perhaps, you know, doing a lot of active walking, hiking, um, you know, perhaps busy going around the city, want to get from A to B very fast. Yes. Um, that's why we usually tend to, to put retrievers into the mix. But Labradors, we find, are just a, a fabulous, yeah. a sweet mm. spot of trainability and temperament. You talk about them um, so so sort of emotionally and so warmly, Sophie. You must obviously be in awe of these dogs that you get to know and work with. Yeah, it's a real privilege working at Guide Dogs. We're surrounded by dogs as we... I've got the, the puppy in our office, um, Brian, who's asleep at my feet. Um, and, and look, they're all very special. Um, mm. we, they go through about 600 odd hours of training and we're interacting with them every day. Wow. Um, and they all have their own personalities and quirks. And that's part of the art and of, of the matching process is making sure that they, they go well with their handler. But the bit for me that's so special is actually seeing somebody with their new dog. Yes. Um, and, and it's, it really is it's time of happy tears and, and mm. it really is a life-changing moment, so it's uh, very worthwhile. 
I've noticed, um, you know, visiting um, aged care facilities, quite often on a particular day they'll have someone come in with a dog, whether it be, yeah. I'm not sure if it was a guide dog or or, or not, but, uh, you know, usually a Labrador or a Retriever, and just the residents, you know, they just light up just to pat it. That's right. Um, yeah. I think the therapeutic effects are being more and more understood about these um, wonderful dogs, and I've, I've visited... Um, with a, a couple of age care services with dogs and certainly you know they, the memories it triggers of yes. again perhaps childhood dogs or you know it just gets people talking and, 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 and the texture of feet you know stroking the dog the, yes. the uh, benefits you get from those it, it's just a wonderful thing Will technology replace them one day Sophie? Oh that's a second brilliant question I have been asked that will there be robo dogs in the future? Oh. Um, I hope not I have to say, um, and I don't actually think so. Um, I, I, there are so many different benefits over and above the mobility and the balance and the getting from A to B that I see, you know, the confidence it gives people. So the, the, the amount of vision that they've got is, is not necessarily the only factor that helps them get from mm. A to B because a lot of people lose their confidence when they lose some of their vision. Yes. And the dog just brings that back. Yes. Um, and, and that's a very very relationship-based thing, and I mm. don't think a robo dog could quite do the same. No, it's that emotional intelligence that it has. It is, it, yes. it is, absolutely. absolutely. Well, Sophie, if you're talking emotional intelligence in dogs, why aren't you training staffies? <laughs> I happen staffies to... Staffies are wonderful dogs, aren't they? They're a regular family dogs. They are, they're brilliant, but they're probably... Probably little... not tall enough to be in the harness. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and might get a little bit excited on occasion. Yes, probably. maybe. Yeah. Maybe Very. a bit enthusiastic. And so, Sophie, um, what's the process for a Approaching guide dogs Victoria. If somebody wanted to, you know, find out about, so pretty easy. Um, you basically can can do one of a couple of things. Uh, if you are, are you know happy with the internet, then you can certainly go online to our website, which is www.guidedogsvictoria.com.au, and there's a, a there's a referral form online, and you can refer yourself. You can get your doctor to if you prefer, or, or you know, a family member can refer you. There's no obligation, and I would say that, you know, also all of our services are, are, are at no charge to the person mm -hmm. using them. Oh, um, but you could, if you prefer to speak to somebody, and a lot of do, then you can you can just phone our customer service people here, mm -hmm. um, and that number is 1-800-804-805, and they will be happy to take your call and chat you through all the options. And, li and likewise, Sophie, if you wanted to help underwrite and uh, contribute to the costs, probably the very high costs of running Guide Dogs, yep. Victoria, we can do that as well, I guess. Absolutely, same same place, same website. Um, mm. Definitely, that that's really important for us because we do offer everything at no cost. If people don't have any funding from the government, yes, um, then we will give them the service irrespective of that. All right, Sophie. Well, thanks for joining us today, Sophie Wild from uh, spokesperson from Guide Dogs Victoria. Appreciate your time, Sophie. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Okay, have a super one. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, I can hear the theme uh, looming in the background, yes. Paula, which means it's time for us to it get is. out of the age. And we'd like to thank our sponsors, the Village Glen, the Village Baxter and Encore Living for that alternative regional view. Indeed we mm. would. And also thank uh, Stuart for coming by today. Yes, Stuart Shaw. From Stuart Shaw. Village, Great uh, to Glenn. see Stuart again. And also, of course, uh, Sophie Wilde. And uh, we were speaking as well to Dr. Robin Lindner as well. Yes. Don't forget the podcasts. Uh, this program will be available on the RPPFM website in due course. Thanks for your company today. Next week, we hope you will be joined by the great William Bond. Look forward to it. I can hear some more theme music. <laughs> yes. I'll work on it.